Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Being a parent can be really challenging. It's normal to feel uncertain about whether you're doing the right things to raise healthy and happy children. That's why Child and Family Resource Network focuses on connecting pregnant parents and those with kids under the age of five with free support services to help them build confidence in their parenting journey. Everyone deserves to have someone they can turn to for support with parenting. Visit ChildAndFamilyResourceNetwork.org today. Hello and welcome back into another episode of The Hard Foul. I'm your host, Pearson Fowler, and with me as always from GamecockCentral.com, Colin Taylor, here to talk about South Carolina's incredibly important, quite impressive 12-point home victory over the Mississippi State Bulldogs, 83-71, a game that South Carolina absolutely, unequivocally had to have, and they did. And it wasn't the easiest road to victory for South Carolina. They got up big early and then they squandered almost every single ounce of that lead going into halftime and then by the second half things kind of evened out in South Carolina they didn't coast because you know they only won by 12 and most of the time they were up by like six or something like that but it felt comfortable and South Carolina did it without getting a single spectacular performance but a lot of good performances from a lot of different areas and as much as we've talked about the strength of this team the upside of this team being the depth I think that was on display as much as we've seen all season long on Tuesday night. I think you can say that this is probably the best they've played ever in SEC play. I mean, just in terms of they've done this to worse teams than Mississippi State. So they've they put together a complete performance against a really good basketball team. Mm-hmm. So that was huge. And they played really well doing it. And the fact that they went on a 26-2 run or a 20-0 run. So... They got, I mean, hell, Lawson only had 12 on 3 of 7. Kustard only had 8. Kozar had 20 on 22 shots. I mean, this wasn't like someone, a Jair Bolden going off for 19 or whatever it was against Virginia, you know, 10 of 10 from the field. Mm -hmm. This was just guys getting good looks, knocking down some of them, and playing really good defense. The same thing that has held Carolina back at times, and I think realistically does put a cap on how far this team can go. I mean, they still... There's still a good chance they don't even make the NCAA tournament. They'll still make the NIT. But whatever the ceiling of this team is, it is capped by the fact that they don't have that one guy. We thought it was going to be A.J. Lawson. It hasn't been A.J. Lawson. It still could be next year. I think the ship has sailed on him being that guy this year, obviously. Uh, Jermaine Kusnard is somebody in the future that could certainly be that guy. There are potentials for that guy to emerge on this team, but it hasn't happened yet this year. So that's that's the weakness. That's what hampers the ceiling of this team. But the flip side of that is, in a game like we saw on Tuesday, and you're right, this isn't the only time we've seen it, but it's probably the best opponent against whom we have seen South Carolina play this complete of a game. We saw the the deadly part of playing a team that doesn't have one guy. Because who does Mississippi State key on? Is it Kotsar who finishes with 20? Not exactly an efficient 20 on a career-high 22 field goal attempts, as you mentioned. You can't key on Bryant because you know he's only got 12. He only took eight shots. You don't key on Lawson because he only took seven shots. You don't key on Kusnard. He only took eight shots. Jair Bolden gives you eight off the bench. Alonzo Frank gives you eight off the bench. And that's kind of like, that's not exactly a true eight off the bench because Micaiah Henry obviously started because it was senior night and Alonzo Frank normally would have been a starter. So we can consider that, you know, eight from a starter. But point is, very even scoring distribution. Everybody played pretty well. South Carolina moved the ball incredibly well. 20 assists on 32 made baskets. Just all around great performance. And that is the best case scenario for what this team can be right now, short of either A.J. Lawson or Jermaine Cousinard turning into a legitimate superstar in the next two weeks. Yeah, I mean, you saw, and I wrote it in my What We Learned piece, this is what the offense looks like when it's clicking. This, I mean, they're moving fast. They're getting contributions from, I think, eight players had at least eight points. I'm looking here. Lawson had 12, Cousinard had 12, eight. Cousinard with 20, Brian with 12. Um... Frank with eight and Bolden with eight. So six players with eight or more points. Mm-hmm. That's huge. If you can get that on a night-in and night-out basis from everybody, you're going to win more games than you lose. 
And when you and they're passing the ball so well, the offensive rebounded the ball really well. Eleven offensive rebounds, uh, averaged one point one six nine nice points per possession. Nice. Um, that is their highest offensive efficiency. I'm looking it up because I it's their highest in over a month. Was the last one that Texas A and M game at home? Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt. Okay. Vanderbilt. They had a one hundred twenty four point one points wow. per one hundred. Scored ninety. This, yeah, this was one eighteen point seven. It's almost one hundred nineteen points per one hundred. Great, it's good, great, it's really, really good. It's excellent, and all the numbers bear that out. You know, it's not just that South Carolina is whipping the ball around and it looked nice, and they got twenty assists, but they shot over forty eight percent from the field. They shot five of eleven from three, which isn't a lot of threes, but they're taking the looks that were there and they're knocking them down. And hey, shot seventy three point seven percent from the free throw line. Does that number sound familiar? It should, because that, as a total, is 14 of 19, which is exactly what South Carolina shot from the line in Starkville, which is kind of funny. The more things change. The more, <laughs> the change more things stay the same. It's so true. Some of the other numbers that stand out from the box where you mentioned the offensive rebounding, how about just seven turnovers? Yeah. Two, what was their net turnover margin? They were plus seven. Yeah, plus seven. Outstanding. Huge. A clean Huge. basketball game. And you know what I have to say? As much as we have spent warranted time complaining about the way that South Carolina games are officiated and SEC games and just college basketball in general. The second half of the South Carolina-Mississippi State game was an enjoyable basketball game, was a clean basketball game with not a lot of fouls, with not a lot of turnovers. It was it was really nice because it was a game that had rhythm. It was a game that had flow. Like I said, South Carolina, it wasn't comfortable for them, but Mississippi State never really looked like getting over the hump. Like Carolina would they'd be up by four, and then they'd extend that to eight, and then Mississippi State would get it down to five, and then Carolina would go up by ten. So it always just kind of like oscillated between that four and ten. And if you look at, at the game flow chart, it's pretty much just like parallel lines through for the, for the remainder of the second half. But it was well played, I thought, on both sides, kind of exchanging blows, and Carolina was able to do enough to pull away. And as much as we talked about it being important for South Carolina to, in the reverse fixture in Starkville, take a game that was a 12-point loss at like with like two minutes to go and turn it into a three-point loss that was slightly more efficient and slightly better in the net. I think it's equally important that South Carolina was able to take like a consistent five to six point lead and extend it to 12 and, and improve their efficiency and obviously improve their defensive efficiency as Mississippi State missed some shots down the stretch. And for Carolina to push that into the 10 plus range that net decided to value for some reason. Yeah. And I think it was really impressive that I mean Mississippi State would go on these runs and it was kind of the exact opposite of what it was in Starkville, and I wrote it, that they got, in Starkville, South Carolina would close the gap. They'd get it to, like, two or three, three or four, and the Mississippi State would come back with a huge three or, or a bucket or an and one. That's exactly what South Carolina did. Mississippi State would get it down to four, and then Kustar would hit a three, and it'd be seven again. Or A.J. Lawson would come down and get an and one, and it's back to seven again. So good teams know how to keep other good teams at arm's length when they need to. And South Carolina did a really, really good job of that Tuesday night. And again, it's a good Mississippi State team and important for South Carolina in this game to get that because you mentioned it right before we turned the mics on. Even when Carolina beat Georgia and scored 94 points, it was still like, yeah, you know, they didn't play that well. They still give up 90. It took you overtime to beat Georgia. And yes, Georgia's playing a little bit better now that Anthony Edwards is deciding to cement his status as the number one overall pick in the draft in a couple of months. But that was still a game that you felt like Carolina should have won more comfortably. You would have liked to see a better defensive effort. And you were wondering if if that was kind of gone. You were wondering if some of the key contributors on this team, if Jermaine Cousinard and Trey Hannibal had sort of hit freshman walls, if Mike Coatsor was running out of steam a little bit. Keyshawn Bryant was sort of getting back into a groove. He had three straight triple-doubles, had another good game on Tuesday with a 12-7 and seven on 5-8 of eight shooting. And then Lawson was continuing to ebb, as his whole season has been just ebb and flow and ebb and flow. Actually, I don't know which one is... Yeah, Ebb's, Ebb's probably not the good one if we're talking about how a guy's playing. No. But anyway, AJ hadn't been playing particularly well lately, and I was like, okay, seems like it just feels like this team is running out of steam. And then Tuesday is a, is a night that seemed... It was a reinvigorated team on the court, yeah. and you have to hope that that was a like big-picture reinvigoration and not just sort of an, an aberration because it's yeah. senior night. Right. Yeah. You hope. I mean, you hope that these guys can continue it and... It's going to be one of those things where you have a good opportunity to go out there and um, beat up on a bad team 
in Vanderbilt. So you have a chance to kind of carry that through. And you have an opportunity to go into the SEC tournament, winners of, what, three of your last four? Mm-hmm. And then you get a good team. You, you beat an okay team in the first round and go play potentially a beatable Auburn or Florida. Then you're looking at 21 wins right there. So that feels like the magic number for this team right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That feels like the magic yeah. number. And, and there's so many different scenarios. South Carolina is locked into one of two seeds. Um, and we'll get to that with, but who they play and who they have drawn in the, the second round after they've done, done that is um, still TBD. Mm-hmm. But South Carolina needs to continue to play the well, the way they played because if they play like that, they're going to win the majority of their basketball games down the stretch. We are going to get to a little bit of seeding again. There's one game left, and so there's still some things that are yet to be determined exactly, but uh, sort of a uh, early look ahead at what yep. the SEC tournament seeding might look like and a little bit of a preview of that Vanderbilt game. As you mentioned, South Carolina absolutely dominated Vanderbilt last time out. Excellent offensive efficiency, scored 90 points. I'll ask you this in like 30 minutes when we talk about the Vandy game. Are, uh, they seem like they might be the best bad team Yes, ever by far as they just upset Alabama. Their their two conference wins are at Alabama and LSU, LSU at home. Yeah. So I don't know exactly what that means. We'll talk about that. Same way a, a lot of suck. Like yeah, a lot of a, suck. A, yeah, it's like really, really. I mean, it's really like how it, it, they're kind of a a poor man's version of Georgia, I guess, because it's yeah. like Saban Lee. Are you gonna have thirty eight like he did against Alabama? Are you gonna have like a twenty five and nine or whatever he had against LSU? Then you're gonna have a good chance to win the game. Otherwise, you know, not so much. But they lost eight straight, beat LSU, lost seven straight, beat Alabama. And I said this the other day. If Vanderbilt had one more like really good punching above their weight performance left in the season, Carolina fans better be glad they got it out <laughs> this yes, week in Tuscaloosa as opposed to saving it for their uh, home finale this weekend. That'll be a, a 12-30 tip. Before we get uh, any more into the Vanderbilt game, want to stick with a few more thoughts from Mississippi State. And I'll start with this because I mentioned – Last week, mentioned a couple times now, it felt like Jermaine Kusnar was hitting a little bit of a freshman wall, which you don't hold against him. It's it's a thing, you know. Yeah. That is a that's a thing for a reason because it happens to a lot of freshmen. And if his shot wasn't going to be falling, if he wasn't going to be scoring as efficiently because other teams had figured out how to defend him, were keying on him a little bit more than teams had in the early part of the conference schedule, then the question for Jermaine and the way that I phrased it, I think just last week was, what is your counterpunch? And the answer is Tuesday night. He found it. Jermaine found out, discovered, or it was unlocked. I don't know if it's if it's Frank Martin or Jermaine or, or what exactly happened, but Jermaine figured out how to impact a game without having a huge scoring night. He shot just three of eight, scored eight points, one of three from three-point land, split his free throws. Five boards. Five boards, but ten assists, and wait for it, wait for it, Ta-da. zero Ta-da. turnovers. When was the last time? I mean, it probably hasn't happened since you've been covering South Carolina. It hasn't happened, I don't know, that I can remember. Certainly not since I've been. I mean, I don't cover South Carolina the same way you do. But I just cannot remember the last time any player from South Carolina had 10 assists and zero turnovers in a game, at least on the men's side. Here's a list of just the players that have had 10 assists in the last 10 years. So from 2010 to 11, that season, forward. The list, the full list of players who have had 10 assists in the game. Jermaine Kustard. <laughs> That's it? That's it. Oh, my gosh. That's it. Wow. That's uh, a little bit depressing. But, yeah, okay. So suffice it to say, in that same period of time, he's the only guy to have 10 assists with no turnovers in a game. It didn't even it didn't even feel like it. Not that I like remember him playing badly or having turnovers, but I remember looking at the box score midway through the second half and being stunned because he didn't have a single turnover. And again, he's had a good assist-to-turnover ratio all year, so that's not like I'm expecting him to turn it over. But I just watched him drop a couple times, and I was like, wow, he's probably getting close to a double-double. And I looked, and I was like, well, what's funny is it's at this rate, he's going to have more trouble getting there with the points than he is with the assists. Uh, that turned out to be the case. Obviously, it was two points shy of, of uh, collecting, I guess, what would have been his first career double-double. Oh. And then I was like, how does he have zero turnovers? It just... It was so impressive, and the fact that I didn't notice it, I think, was really important because it was all within the flow of the offense. There are only two players with 
at least seven turnovers and or at least seven assists and no turnovers mm. since over the last 10 years. Jermaine Kustard is one of them, obviously, this, mm-hmm. this game. The other, who do you think? I'm going to guess Sendarius Thornwell. It's Sendarius Thornwell. Yeah. Against Oral Roberts. Okay. So not even against a <laughs> that's, good. That's the only one. There's only one other game like with that. With at least seven, seven assists and seven no turnovers. And the last time against a SEC team, you'd have to go back to six assists and no turnovers. Which was? Sendarius Thornwell against Tennessee. Okay. So in 16. So the 25 win, yeah. Mm. So that is what we saw on Tuesday, a true point guard performance. A Sendarius Thornwell level performance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Better. Better. Sendarius Thurmond never did that. Yeah. Correct. Affecting the game without having to score. That's that's the missing piece for Jermaine Cousinard. Or at least that's the missing piece right now. You know, hopefully he adds things to his game going into next season and the year after that and continues to add things to his game. But right now, that's his counterpunch. Yeah. And he has it. And he's not going to have 10 assists and no turnovers every game. But he knows he can do that. His teammates know he can do that. Frank Martin knows he can do that. That changes his game. That changes the complexion of the backcourt how you defend dynamic. him, yeah. yeah. It changes how you have to defend him, too. So if you could do that, hell, I mean, it's it's game over sometimes trying to defend him because he can get to the rim, but he can also kick. And if they're shooting as well as they did, it's, it's game over. It's impressive feel for the game, and it's coming in a variety of ways. Some of them kick out, some of them you know, driving into the paint. And as you mentioned, other teams have learn to defend Jermaine in a very particular way. Mississippi State obviously saw him just a couple weeks ago, and they're like, all right, cool. This guy's going to go to the hole. He's probably going to pull up for a lot of floaters and stuff. We're going to come out. We're going to contest them, yada, yada. And we see Jermaine. It's so cool and fun when you can basically watch someone learning in real time, and the play that sticks out of my mind is the alley-oop that he threw to Mike, where he does the exact same thing that he probably did you know, half a dozen times the first time against Mississippi State, and had probably done in this game, where he, he drives into the paint, he stops like, you know, six feet short of the basket. He pulls the defender up. I don't remember if it was a do or Perry or whoever it was. And Jermaine reads it perfectly, sees Mike standing at the dunker spot and throws up a lob and helps Mike finish, I don't know. First uh, alley oop. First, first alley oop ever? Ever. I was gonna say that, but then ever. I didn't want to sound ever mean in a game. He I, did say that okay. he had had some in practice. Mm-hmm. This is the first time that fans had actually seen him. Yeah. But not I, I didn't know I remember him saying that post game, but I didn't know if that just meant from Jermaine or if that was like ever, ever. Which it wouldn't surprise no, me if it did. I think but. it was ever, ever. I think it was ever, ever. What a night to do it. Senior night. First alley you ever. Yeah, and like, he didn't even celebrate. That <laughs> was like, he like just jogged back down the court and you're like, Mike, you're up. You got you went back up like 10 points. Mm-hmm. Like, throw your arms up in the air. Celebrate. This is your last time here. Like, you threw down a, a damn alley you dunk for the first time ever. <laughs> like, dunk. Like, that's awesome. <laughs> oh, Mike. Mike, Mike, Mike. Uh, let, let's do Mike next then. We probably should have started with Mike in honor of senior night, but I was just so blown away with that tennis that zero turnover performance from Jermaine. I just had to start with that because it's. I think it's really important for the future of this team. Uh, it was Mike's night, though. Mike yeah. led the team in scoring. He led the team in field goal attempts. He led all of his other career games in field goal attempts. He got yelled at by Frank Martin in spectacular fashion, like such spectacular fashion that it made all of the TV highlight reels, especially when it when they you know, would play the side-by-side. It was... Particularly I didn't get to fun. see it. Oh, it was really fun because you get to see, you know, obviously Frank and Mike, you know, laughing and hugging each hugging each other at the beginning of the game, and then I mean, it was it was like a pretty standard Frank Martin blow up, but it was just really funny because they put it side by side, and it was like, yeah, that's pretty great. Yeah. Mike Hodes are completely unfazed. Started out pretty well. What did he have? His first four shots or four of his first five, and then Something missed a like boatload of shots, and then made a couple shots when it mattered. We mentioned the alley oop. There was the fifteen footer. I mean, not long to go to put Carolina up by seven or by five. I don't remember exactly, but showed confidence, showed aggression throughout the game, even though his shot wasn't falling. And he spoke about it after the game in his press conference. He was asked, you know, just the difference between last year and this year. And, and it was it was confidence. It was his teammates empowering him to continue to take those shots. So nine of 22 is not a great shooting night, but it's great that Mike allowed himself to miss 13 shots and was still there at the end of the game to hit a Big shot, that 15-foot jumper from the elbow to extend the lead. And, it, I mean, I think it speaks to his growth. And there's a story going up. It's it's 9.51. It'll be up by the time we finish this podcast that where I write, my lead is my coats are through an alley-oop dunk. And a year ago, you couldn't even imagine him dunking, let alone mm-hmm. throwing down an alley-oop. And 
it just speaks to the growth that he's had, and his family's been a huge part of that. Um, his coaching staff's been a huge part of that. And it's so fun to see, and, and you have to be unbiased in this business, and you're, you don't root for teams. I mean, you're around these people so much, you root for success because you, wanna, you, don't, you don't like seeing people fail. So watching Mike Kotsar take that lap after the game, it was just, it, it was really cool to see. And because he's been through so much shit at South Carolina, he's been the ire of fans for so, so long because he struggled so much his junior year. The fact that he was able to go and take a victory lap after winning his final game in a game that could potentially be a tournament win, a tournament resume boosting win, just says a lot about his growth, and it's you can't you don't hate it for Mike. It's really really cool to see for a guy like Mike. It's great. Yeah, twenty points, just two rebounds. We can talk about that in just a minute. Four assists, a steal, and just continues to be the rock of this team. You mentioned thinking just a year ago about Mike dunking at all, much less finishing an alley oop. How about thinking about Mike continuing to just be an excellent free throw shooter? Yeah, the the best free throw shooter on the team. I don't know if that's by percentage, but if I'm gonna I'm going to choose any Carolina player to be on the line in a crucial moment for South Carolina. It's going to be Mike, just based on how he shot this entire season, and especially in SEC play, made both of his free throws solid. Solid, solid, solid. I don't want to say anything bad about him because it was senior night and because he was huge, but if there is anything to criticize about his performance on Tuesday, we mentioned that was his last chance to have a high-profile kind of one-on-one matchup against another good big to continue to build his case for SEC Defensive Player of the Year or first team on defense or whatever it ends up being. Reggie Perry did end up having a really good game. Now Mike did an excellent job on him the first time a couple weeks ago. He finished with 10 and 10 and 7 turnovers, did Perry. Oh. Perry finishes this game Ooh. with a 17-16. And the 16 is uh, obviously a little more concerning than the 17 because he did shoot just 5 of 13 from the floor. 6 of 7 from the free throw line was Perry. But 16 rebounds and Mike was just 2. Uh, that's that's a pretty significant <laughs> disparity right yeah, there. Yeah, I like I hadn't even looked at Perry's stat line much, and holy crap! Yep, he's good. Yep, he's and only good. played twenty six minutes, seventeen, sixteen, and twenty six minutes. He might be SEC Player of the Year though. Yeah, like legitimately might be SEC mm-hmm. Player of the Year. So there's no, there's no shame in that. But that was if Mike had another, you know, hold him to ten points on inefficient shooting and force a bunch of turnovers. That was going to be like, okay, here's the last piece of the puzzle. I don't. I mean, Mike's not going to be Defensive Player of the Year. You hope this doesn't hold him back in terms of a nod for first-team all-defense because I think he definitely deserves it. But given that this is the last look that some of the voters are going to get in terms of that marquee matchup, hope that doesn't leave a lasting impression because not the best night uh, for Mike defensively and especially not on the glass. Yeah, and and you need more of that. And Rebounding has been such a, a positive this year that they've one game's not going to really define you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think that it'll be... A f- It'll be fine. I'm not worried about Mike or his ability to. No, and I, I I can guarantee. I mean, you know him a lot better than I do. You've talked to him. I mean, you talk to him basically after every game. It seems like I'm pretty sure he's not concerned about making first team all defense or first team all SEC or defensive player of the year. He's probably just more concerned with Carolina uh, winning against Vanderbilt, making a you know getting the five seed in the SEC tournament or whatever, and winning as many games as possible there, and then going to the NCAA tournament because that would be a, a really cool bookend to his career to be able to do it yeah. his freshman year, um, and then of course his senior year, but. You know, all around good night for Mike. Again, the 22 field goal attempt says to me a lot about his confidence and a lot about his just his his willingness to to miss some shots. You know, he would miss a couple shots. I mean, the first three years of his career, he would miss two shots in a row, and then you're like, okay, well, he's done for the game, and that was it. There was no getting yeah. it back. And this Mike, like seriously, what did he start four or four or four or five, and then Something missed like a an ass of shots, and it didn't matter. He kept shooting, and he made him when it mattered. I remember I was. The story that is going to post here at, at 10 a.m. Eastern. Um, I talked to Hassani Gravit a little bit about Mike, and and it didn't make the story, but I asked him, I was like, if I told you Mike had been averaging 10 points and six rebounds, almost seven rebounds a game as a senior, what would you have said? And he goes, I told you he could have done it. Hmm. He goes, I've seen it. When he goes out there and hits shots early, you could tell he wants the ball. You tell, you know, and – you're starting to see that, and you're, but you're starting to see that willingness even if he's missing shots. Right. And for him to be so fearless in that regard, coming from a guy that was too scared to go to the free throw line 
his sophomore and junior years. It says a lot about his growth and says a lot about where he's been. And Mike Kosar could be one of the first guys to go to two tournaments mm-hmm. at South Carolina since the McGuire days. That's before you and I were born. Yes. Just by a little um, bit. Yeah, by a lot of it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, I mean, he's had a damn good career. A damn, damn good career. And, and it's been a great story. Yeah. It's been been the story of the year. It's been the most fun thing to watch. And he's so per- like he's so personable away from basketball. I mean, just talking with him and, and being around him. Not that I'm sitting there, you know, going out and having beers with my coats up because that's super frowned upon and you don't do it. But this year, next year, you can't. Yeah. Um, next year, we got to get him in in the studio to do some Gamecock Central podcast. I like that. Podcast I like us. that. Yeah. Uh, but he's just. He's so personable, and he's such a good guy that you root for people like that, which is why senior night was so cool to see him go out there and put up 20 points and help lead his team to a win. Great story. Good performance. Pivotal for South Carolina yeah, win. They needed massive, every bit of those massive, massive. every bit of those 20 points. Uh, another nope, – never mind. I'm not going to do a segue like that. Uh, Keyshawn Bryant's been playing better lately. And it's been Keyshawn more Bryant. consistent. Yeah, Good Keyshawn and, Bryant. Yeah, good Keyshawn Bryant. Three straight double-doubles and doesn't have a double-double on Tuesday, but still finishes with 12, uh, 12 points, seven rebounds on five of eight shooting, made both of his free throws. Had a couple turnovers, but hey, it's not four, which it felt like he was doing on a gamely basis or a, a regular basis early in the conference slate. Good Keyshawn is back, yes. and that's good news for South Carolina. Yes, you need him playing well. Especially, we don't know for sure, but there's a possibility Justin Manai comes back, and if... You work Justin Manai in defensively to help out, and Keyshawn Bryant's still giving you 12 to 15 a night. That bodes well for South Carolina. That's a good thing for South Carolina. Um, finished his offensive rating the last three games has been over one 109, mm. uh, which is phenomenal. Um, he's playing efficient basketball. He's not taking a three, which I think is important. Great. Yeah, yeah. don't take any more. Don't do it. <laughs> he's made, I'm trying to do quick math here, 20 shots um, over his last three games and has taken less than 15 per game. Hmm. So 27 plus 8 is 35. He's 20 of 35 from the field his last three games. Very good. That's He's he's not a guy with range, obviously. He'll take like a 15-footer on the baseline. I think he made one Tuesday night against Mississippi State. But he's someone that you want taking high-percentage shots. You yeah. know, if Jermaine or A.J., if they have like a, you know, five of sixteen kind of game, it's not necessarily the worst thing. Or a seven, seven to twenty kind of game, it's not the worst thing because they're you know taking some harder shots. They're going to be taking threes and things like that. You can you can afford to absorb that because guys like Keyshawn, guys like Mike are expected to be a little bit more efficient because they're closer to the basket and they're taking higher percentage looks. So for Keyshawn, you mentioned not taking the threes. He's eliminating a lot of the long twos as well and not forcing it. You know, he's taking that. That was. One of my biggest takeaways from South Carolina offensively Tuesday, and Keyshawn was kind of a microcosm of that. It wasn't just that they moved the ball around. It wasn't just that they had 20 assists, but they let the offense come to them. Yeah. They, they didn't, I mean, I don't remember a single possession where it felt like they forced a shot. They moved it. They worked the ball around until they got a good look, and they took it. And when you do that, that's how you shoot almost 50% from the floor. Yeah, and they hit jump shots, which has been pretty hit or miss this year for South Carolina, literally and figuratively. Um when they hit jump shots, this offense works at about, I mean, as well as it ever could. So when you knock down those, especially early, getting a few big buckets early from Jair Bolden was huge. So when you could do that and take smart shots and give your defense a chance, or give your defense a chance to set up, it's nothing but good things for South Carolina. AJ Lawson, second highest uh, minute total on the team, 35 minutes. 12 points, 3 of 7 shooting, 2 of 5 from 3, 4 of 5 from the free throw line, 4 rebounds, 2 assists, 3 steals, and wait for it, 0 turnovers. Ta-da. A good AJ game. We'll call yep. it a good AJ game. Solid AJ game. Yeah, solid AJ game. 4 of 5 from the line was huge. 4 of 5 from the line was big. 3 of 7, you know, he needs to take and make more shots, but 3 of 7 by itself is not a bad number. 2 of 5, that's fine. That's what you need to be hitting from 3. 4 or 5 from the free throw line, that's exactly what you need to be doing there. And and not exactly the same way, not as prolific as Jermaine, but AJ impacting the game without necessarily needing to score. You know, you were getting some, you know, a lot of scoring from Mike Coatsar because he had eight or ten earlier, whatever it was. 
and you know you were getting good contributions from the bench guys. AJ didn't need to force it. He didn't need to take 17 shots on Tuesday night. He knew that he could take seven and collect some rebounds and dish a couple dimes and play some good defense, collect some steals, and most importantly, don't turn the ball over. Don't give the other team those free possessions, those free points. And he and Jermaine, I mean, this was the was this the best collective backcourt performance from South Carolina in a while? From an all-around standpoint, yeah. yeah. I mean, not Absolutely. a lot of scoring, but... Absolutely. But, yeah, let's see. 12 assists, zero turnovers, nine rebounds, three steals. That's what you need. That's what you need on a nine-out basis. Yeah, you want more than 20 points, but everything else was yeah. above and beyond where it needed to be on a consistent basis. Yeah, and that's what, I mean, if you're going to win games in the SEC tournament, you're going to need these guards to play well, and this team goes as its guards go, and if you can get that kind of play from AJ and Jermaine on a consistent basis, then... Hell yeah! Like sign you know Frank Martin signed that up, signed him up for that on a consistent basis, and they finished. Lawson finished plus thirteen, and Kustar finished plus nineteen. Yeah, so that feels right. The, the two highest on the team actually. Good so, backcourt game. Very good. Keep court. it up. Got a stiff test coming up on Saturday, and Saban Lee is coming off a thirty-eight point performance. We'll talk about Vanderbilt in just a minute. Also, good bench performance. We'll start with Frank because he's a starter. Mike Henry started, but Frank played 14 minutes off the bench, made three of his four shots, got his... Two or three know, from the line. Two or three from the line, got his four fouls. He should just start every game with that. Yeah. But eight points, a couple rebounds, an assist, a steal. Frank, a couple. let's see, let me pull up his game log because I, I want to make sure I'm not missing a dud in there, but it feels like last like couple games... Straight, like yeah, like you don't look at it and be like, wow, other than the 22-pointer. Yeah, yeah, there's a 22 against, uh, against Georgia, but... A ten and seven against Alabama in twenty minutes is kind of what you need. Um, eight, and you'd like to see more than two rebounds, but eight points on three or four shooting in fourteen minutes against Mississippi State is kind of what you need. Mm-hmm. That's three straight good to great in the case of the Georgia game performances from Alonzo Frank. What's funny is now that he's kind of finding his groove as Carolina's fifth guy, Justin and I might come back. Yeah. Now I guess he's not going to be starting necessarily against Vanderbilt, but presumably would be at least in that starting and closing group for Carolina in the SEC tournament, which means Frank's got to go right back to the bench and just hope that he keeps up that level of, level of confidence and offensive efficiency. Yeah, or, hell, you could start him. You can keep starting him and bring Manaya in off the bench, and that way you, he won't, Manaya won't be on a minute restriction because Frank Martin was very, very adamant he would not be on a minute restriction there. Um, but he's missed three shots in his last three games total. Three shots in his last three games. Mm-hmm. He's playing about as well as you can ask him to. This is the Alonzo Frank everyone thought he could be at the beginning of the year. Gives you 8 to 10 points a game. Hauls in, you want him to haul in more than two rebounds, but he can give you five rebounds, an assist, and turn the ball over once with three fouls. <laughs> I think if you told me that in November, I I think that would say Alonzo Frank had a good year. Yeah, and now it hasn't been that for most of the year, and we've talked about it before. There have been some extenuating circumstances in terms of other guys taking some of those minutes from Frank, but it's nice that he's starting to get that together at the right time. You had Justin and I back into that. Yeah, I'll be very curious to see. Now, he did get reevaluated. We're recording this Thursday morning. He did get reevaluated yesterday. We have not heard anything. Not that I would have. You have not heard anything. Seems like whatever news Frank Martin might have gotten maybe hanging on for his call-in show tonight? Probably. Okay. All right, cool. Well, that's uh, at 7 o'clock on 107.5 of the game, so that will probably be the first place you hear some Justin Maniah news. That's going to be significant for South Carolina one way or the other. Yeah. Frank also plus 10. Plus 10? Plus 10. In 14 minutes, wow. There was I, only, I feel like even when he has good games, he's like minus three. Yeah, but he was plus 10. And there were only two players that finished uh, sub-zero. Ooh, so, I got this. So McKay Henry obviously was mm-hmm. at zero because yep. he was 4-4 when he got pulled, so it's not him. And TJ Moss. Uh, TJ Moss and who? Oh, I thought it was TJ Moss Two and were Henry. in the negatives. Oh, 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 McKay was at zero. Yeah. Oh, okay. Whew. He didn't play that much. Eight minutes. No. Three minutes did no. Micaiah play. Uh, TJ Moss played five minutes. minutes. This was 11 Oh, minutes. so Wildens? Yeah. Wildens was minus? Minus okay. four. Because he had a really nice sequence where he grabbed like an offensive rebound, had a putback, had a block on the other end, had another offensive rebound, and I think missed the putback, but was very active. Minus four, but you live with that as a freshman. Yeah. What do we think TJ Moss was? TJ Moss in just five minutes, I bet he was minus six. Minus 11. Minus 11 in just five minutes? Now, that was when Mississippi State was going on the run and South Carolina had well, gotten was, their backcourt into some foul that, trouble. Yeah. But there was a reason they went on the run. Let's, let's do that. You said you texted me <laughs> like as this was transpiring, and you said, hold on, I'll pull up the text. 
It was something to the effect of... Hold on, I'm pulling it up. You said... Come on, where is it? You you just texted it to me like two days ago, and we don't actually even text that much. Ah, I got a lot of opinions on TJ Moss. Tuesday, 7.48 p.m. That was in the middle of the run. He yep. just, he was, he was, and I hate piling on players because these guys are 19 years old, but... And we pile on this guy a lot. Man, like, that was just a bad performance. And he's <sighs> had good performance, like... He's had good performance. Yes. Kentucky. <sighs> no Five points. minutes, 0 of 1. No rebounds, no assists. A turnover, assists. two fouls. Yeah, like... Minus 11. And I know you had to play him because your guards were in foul trouble. But, man, it was it was rough to watch. So since SEC play started, he I'm going to go through his turnovers from Florida through now. And keep in mind, he's played more than 20 minutes twice. He had three turnovers against Florida, one against Tennessee, zero against Kentucky. That was a good game. Two against Auburn, zero against Vandy, zero against Arkansas, one against Missouri, one against Miss, two against A&M. Didn't turn it over against Georgia the first time, one against Tennessee, one against Mississippi State, none against LSU, none against Georgia, one against Alabama, one against Mississippi State. That's a lot of turnovers for a guy that doesn't play that much. And here, this is the this is the real number. Here are his field goal numbers. It's going to be the raw the, totals. I can give you the stats. I have it like clumped. yeah. That's that's probably better. Uh, he's averaging ten point nine minutes per game in SEC play. Mm-hmm. Averaging two shots a game, shooting thirty two point four percent, thirty six point eight percent from two, twenty six point seven percent from three, twenty percent from the free throw line. Uh, one assist, two point two steals, no blocks, point nine turnovers, one point seven. Yeah. The thing, the thing about TJ that just really stands out is just the amount of games that are like, O of one, O of O, O of two. Yeah. Like, one of one against Florida, one of one against Tennessee, O of two against Vanderbilt, O of O against Arkansas, O of one against A and M, O of one against Georgia, O of one against Tennessee, O of O against Mississippi State, O of one against LSU, O of O against Alabama, O of one against Mississippi. Like, if you're in there, I'm not encouraging him to shoot more because he's not a good shooter and he's not going to make shots, but. If you're not going to be in there and you're not going to be a threat to shoot and you're not going to have that many assists and you're going to turn the ball over a lot. I mean, Trey Hannibal is the next guard yeah. off the bench now, obviously, yes. by a significant him margin, and, him and Jair. which is great. Yeah. I guess those minutes are going to go to seventh next year. We'll say it like that. Probably. It's unfortunate. I don't know. He played seven games last year and he seemed fine in those seven games. I like games. TJ and I like TJ a lot. But... Tuesday's nice performance. He's just, just yeah. He's is he the realistically he's probably the tenth best player of anybody that played Tuesday night. I was gonna say eleventh, but uh, and it's hard to say. And I hate piling on, but man, it was just he was the fifth best guard behind Jermaine, AJ, Trey, and, and Jair. Yeah, not a good game. No, you have your opinions anymore, or did you get it out? No, I got it out. Okay, it all right, you bad. got it out. Uh, we talked about Frank uh, Levesque. Unfortunate. That he was minus again. That was in the midst of Mississippi State's run, but I don't know. Even despite that, I, I thought he, he played was well. Like I said, it, it was, was really energetic. Yeah, activity. Four points, four rebounds in eleven minutes. Did have a couple of blocks. Only one foul. Yeah, not bad. I mean, it just maybe unfortunate timing that. Yeah, that, uh, that he was, was in during that run. Now again, we're gonna sit here and be like, yeah, you know, individual game plus minus doesn't mean that much, and we just used it to crucify TJ. Okay, but minus eleven in five. Yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. Minus, minus four in 11 minutes. Yeah. Uh, Jalen McCreary, just 10 minutes, five points, four rebounds. Did have four fouls in 10 minutes. Either here or Levesque, one of those two is going to get into foul trouble in a hurry. It's just kind of, a, I, they must flip a coin in the locker room. Like, okay, I'm going to go out there and hack everybody. Yeah. Still fun, though. Still energetic. Oh, both I, of those just, guys are really fun just, to watch. Yeah, I just like both of those guys. Whenever they're whenever they're in the game, I'm like, oh, what's he going to do? What's he yeah. going to do? Because you don't know. And right. That's the, best, that's the fun part. And Levesque is a little part. bit different because it's it's not as athletic yeah. as McCreary. McCreary, obviously, very athletic. But Levesque still is going to do some things. And, and like I said, he's just got such a nose for rebounds. And, and you see it with his propensity to collect offensive rebounds. I think Alonzo Frank was leading the team the last time we checked an offensive rebounding rate, and Levesque was right behind him. I would imagine after the last couple games, I feel like he's picked up a couple offensive boards that Levesque may have passed him. Uh, Frank did have an offensive rebound um, and one defensive rebound in 14 minutes on Tuesday. I just continue to be impressed with 
Levesque's nose for the ball. Levesque is leading the team in offensive rebound rate. There we go. By a tenth of a percentage point. <laughs> Good so job, Wildens. He's at 13.3. Alonzo's at 13.2. Do you think Frank will get him like a gilded plate or something like that at the end of the season? Yes. For that? Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Frank seems all about, you know, silverware and awards and trophies and things like that. Yeah. Hold on um, to that crown, Wildens. Yeah, I think if, if there's one thing Frank loves, it's participation trophies. Oh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> Frank He's loves participation. Loves it. Thanks, uh, Obama. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, he's he's going to be good. I'm not really worried about him. Nope. Trey Hannibal, also going to be good. 13 minutes, 6 points, had a rebound, had an assist, had a steal, had a block, had a turnover, had 3 fouls. Yeah, it's a Trey Hannibal stat line. That's a, that's a Trey Hannibal stat line, yeah. Uh, 2 of 3 shooting, made both of his free throws, which was nice. He's got to improve his shot, especially from the outside. He had a couple jumpers, though. Yeah. He had like one jumper that was like, okay. But it, yeah, and it, but it like stood out. I was like, oh, he doesn't normally it, do it's that. It's flat as all get out. It's so flat. But... <laughs> Yeah, he's got to work on that. It was uh, it was his jump shot is what Keyshawn's was last year. Like you looked at Keyshawn's and you were like, "Ooh, that's flat." Yeah, and then Keyshawn hit this beautiful like arcing. I remember that because I was like, "Oh, damn, that's not going to go in." And it's just boom. You're like, no, okay. no, it's still a work in progress for Keyshawn, but for for Trey, that's that's what he's got to work on. But for someone that I also thought had kind of hit the freshman wall, uh, another solid performance. You can't shouldn't expect or need much more than that from him off the bench. Good thirteen minutes of defense. Six points is gravy. Plus Did 13. it relatively efficiently. Yeah, plus 13. That's nice. And collect a few other stats along the way. Yeah. Solid performance from Trey. They don't need a whole lot from him, but good to see him kind of getting back into it because I feel like his last couple games have been really underwhelming. Yeah, what um, do you think happens first? Trey Hannibal starts a basketball game or Trey Hannibal and Frank Martin kill each other? I would say kill each other because I don't think Frank will ever start Trey Hannibal. Yeah. I mean... I, 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 I just that. think I think those two guys like each other so much and are so similar that and Trey does so much stuff that just gets under Frank's skin, but he has to play him because he's good. It seems like a real love hate relationship, and they well, love was, each other. It was they, just a couple of months ago that we were talking about, oh, you know, Trey Hannibal's not going to be playing enough by the end of the season, and Frank doesn't like him and all this stuff, and and Frank has they love him. He's seen they, the light. They, yeah. they really really like each other, and and that's part of the reason why Hannibal came to South Carolina, mm-hmm. but. He just does some things that you got to break him. For those that hadn't did not watch Trey Hannibal in high school, and I watched Trey Hannibal a lot in high school, his team was, and no disrespect to Hartsville basketball, they they were really good. His team was Trey Hannibal and the Hannibalettes. Like that was, it was, give the ball to like Trey Hannibal literally inbounded the ball to a guard. Got the ball back, brought the ball up, took the shot, got the rebound. I mean, it was just, mm-hmm. it was Trey Hannibal. That makes sense. Trey Hannibal. And you're seeing that now in college, and they're trying to break him of that. Mm-hmm. And he's doing better, but it takes time when, you're, when you've been conditioned. Yeah, and especially when you have limited minutes. Like, if you have, like, eight to ten minutes a game to, to like, see what he's going to do and, and, and fix that or let him work through that or whatever, it's a... Uh, I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, that's a tall task, but it's a work in progress and a a solid game from Trey, and that's all they can hope and expect to get from him for the rest of the season, at least enough that they don't have to play TJ Moss anymore. Minutes leader from the bench, Jair Bolden. 21 minutes, 3 of 4 from the field, 2 of 3 from 3-point land, a rebound, a couple assists, a steal, didn't turn the ball over, 8 points. He hit the most fun shot of the night. Which one was that? The pull-up 3 in transition. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. That was awesome. Yeah. Yeah, was, he does that. There's there's no bigger like put it on the table like shot mm-hmm. than a pull up three in that transition. You drain. Yeah, but that's what he does. Yeah. Uh, Eric Kimry, uh, with whom I host the extra point at twelve o'clock weekdays on one hundred seven five. The game. Sick humble brag. Yeah. Oh yeah. Big time. I love doing the show with Eric, and he went to the game Tuesday. And his like one of his first takeaways, you know, after seeing them in person, because I think that might have been the first basketball game he went to this year, the first men's game, was like. Feels like Jair Bolden is underutilized, which is funny and a little bit dangerous. I feel like he's exactly properly utilized, but get, I can understand why he thinks that. You get your eight points from him and you get him out of the game. Yeah, like, exactly. It's like, okay, we got eight. All right. Yeah. Now, every once in a while, he'll heat check and he'll give you 19, he'll give you 22 or 24 or whatever, but I can understand why you go and you see that and you and you see how silky his jumper is when he's got it going, and you're like, wow, this guy needs to play more, but he's in the exact perfect role. And he's going to go over for six against Vanderbilt because that's just how his – stat line goes yeah 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 100 percent, which is fine that's what they need from him but it feels like and, and and to be fair as nice as the jumper is in terms of playing jay or more that's really the only thing he does well he doesn't defend well he doesn't dribble well he shows like 
I don't know. He's shown some some flashes of like nice playmaking ability, but not with any consistency. But I still think just his scoring potential, his outside shot, if he can get a little bit better at creating some space to create his own shot, and he becomes sort of the uh, the anchor of Carolina's bench units next year, along with you know Frank and Hannibal and, and who, whomever else, I feel like he could end up being a six man of the year candidate if he's scoring like twelve or thirteen points. He's Hassani a game off yeah. the bench. Yeah, Hassani without the defense, but yeah. Hassani with his senior year scoring. Yeah, and you look at Jair. I mean, he's got the tools to be a good defender. Now it's just a matter of getting to that point. Yeah, and his feet are a little slow, but um, he's strong. Yeah, he's smart, but just got to get better at different stuff and I don't think it would be as expository if that's the right word to use if AJ and Jermaine were consistent on ball defenders that makes sense Hmm. that a lot of his mistakes get like Justin Mackey's admitted to me has told me to his to my face I had slow feet (laughs) like my feet were like cinder blocks and Sin and Dwayne knew that so I never had to help they always helped so as you get more defensive cohesion, then AJ can help and Jair can rotate to their man, different things like that. Hmm, that's interesting. Got to get Justin back in here to break down Jair's feet. Justin Mack is like, he's like, I knew I was slow, but Sin and Dwayne also knew. Yeah, I was that's slow. good. You have to understand your strengths and weaknesses. Yeah. That's uh, that's how you he build goes, the team. He goes, Sindarius was, I forget what he told me, but like Sindarius, we knew, you know. If this guy drove this way, you had to help. And he goes, Dwayne, we didn't worry about Dwayne. Yeah. Dwayne, Dwayne had it. Yeah. <laughs> We're like, okay. Mm, God, doesn't matter who's driving, which way he's going, what he's going to do. Dwayne, Dwayne had him. Dwayne's got it. That that should have been a t-shirt that year. Dwayne had him. Dwayne had him. Or Dwayne has him or something like that. Mike Coates are the same way. Yeah. Mike has him. I, I was talking to Perry Clark yesterday and uh, for the story, and he's like, we don't even worry about, like, we don't even talk about Mike Coates around the game plan. We look at who their best player is. And we say, Mike's got him, and we move on. Like, that's the game plan for Mike. It's like, okay, and this guy, good, got him. Mike's Get got him. him. Point guard, two, three, four, five, got Who him. Who gives a shit? Mike's got him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, it's great. This the, the upside of this team defensively, once they get into tournament play and once the referees swallow the whistle a little bit more, oh, God. is very exciting. Yes. Very exciting. Now, 45 combined fouls in the game on Tuesday. But like I said, it felt like in the second half they were swallowing it a little bit more. Mississippi State, they took, what, 18 free throws in the first half, I think, or 16 or 20. They took a lot of free throws in the first half. Not as many in the second half. And Carolina went to the free throw line you know, 19 times, not a ton. A lot of that was Mississippi State sort of fouling at the end to try to give themselves a few extra yeah, possessions. Yeah, they took but 18 in the first, 9 in the second. Yeah, so that was nice. In the, the second half, you saw a little bit more of what a game looks like if you're allowed to play with flow. Yep. Both for South Carolina offensively and when they're allowed to be a little bit more physical defensively. Just 71 yeah. given up in the game. 83-71. You knew they were going to go up in the net because Mississippi State was higher than South Carolina Better, in the yeah. net. And when you add in how efficient Carolina was offensively and how efficient they were defensively, that leads to them jumping four spots in the net up to 61. At least that was Tuesday night. That may have changed since we're recording they're this. They're up to 60 now. Night. They're up to 60 now. Great. So someone in front of them fell down. I guess that was Alabama probably. VCU. VCU? Okay. Interesting. Alabama can't be very far ahead of South Carolina in the net, but that is neither here nor there. I imagine South Carolina continued to uh, strengthen its hold on the number one uh, defensive efficiency in the league. Like I said, they had another really good, efficient defensive performance. Meanwhile, Kentucky was upset by Tennessee and gave up a boatload of points in the second half, so that did not help their case, and they were the second most uh, efficient defense in the SEC. Don't know why I can't say words today, but that's okay. This team's going to be, whatever postseason it is, whether it's the NIT or whether it's the NCAA tournament, they're going to be a bear defensively. Yeah. It's not a team you, and Ben Howland said, it's not a team you want to play because it's so damn hard to defend or play against them Mm -hmm. because they're so physical. So defensively, I thought this was probably their best performance in a very long time against a good offensive team in Mississippi State. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, you hold them to like a scoreless drought of five minutes or something like that. That's, you Good teams don't go through that, and the fact that they did shows how good South Carolina's defense can be on the top end. Anything else to say about Mississippi State? No. Good win for South Carolina. Very good win. win. Very important win. Had to have it. Now they have to have this one against Vanderbilt on Saturday, Yeah, 12.30, 11.30 local start time. Oh, that's gorgeous. It's it's really nice. Gorgeous. It's really nice, but does does that factor in? Is that, does that worry you? 
So should that worry Carolina fans? I mean, these guys have to play in the morning. They're used to, they've played a lot of night games lately. Maybe, probably. Now they got we'll an extra see. day of rest because their yeah midweek conference game was on Tuesday. Yeah, so they had what was yesterday? They had Wednesday, Wednesday off, off, practice Thursday, practice Friday, travel Friday. Yeah, and then they probably won't go through shoot around on Saturday morning. Yeah, they because they didn't go through shoot around against A and M when they played at A and M, so they probably won't do shoot around. Mm. Um, so they'll have something Friday night in Nashville. It's you're good enough to beat Vanderbilt on at eleven. Definitely, yeah. yeah. And and you're good enough. You don't even, you don't need to play as well as you did against Mississippi State. You do need to play that well because you want to keep the momentum going. You yeah. want to be playing well going into the tournament. Going into the tournament, yeah, on offense and on defense. But this game is, I mean, is this game anything more than? What does Saban Lee do, and what can Carolina do to stop Saban Lee? Is there anything else no. worth talking no, about? No, 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 no. It's just can hate Saban Lee, and then things will tend to go your way. And that's Jermaine's job. Yeah, that's you slap Jermaine on him and say, "Have fun." And say, "All right, last game your counterpunch was ten assists, no turnovers. This game, give us ten points, give like us two down. assists, no turnovers, and play good defense, and hold Saban Lee to seventeen points. Yeah, seventeen points on." On six of twenty-two shooting. Yeah, that's his job. <sighs> Easier said than done. Yeah, Saban Lee's good. Saban Lee's really good. Saban Lee's playing well. It's at home. I mean, frankly, Vanderbilt has just been playing a lot better down the stretch. Even though they've gotten blown out in some games, they beat LSU, and you, you mentioned they went on another seven-game losing streak. Let me let me pull it up because it feels like they yeah, were they lost they were by close ten. In a couple games. They lost by ten to Mississippi State, fourteen to Kentucky, and that Kentucky cool. game was closer than the fourteen. Yeah, uh, eighteen to Florida. Four to Tennessee, two, two to Georgia. Georgia. They got they got Kusnard on that Georgia game. Mm-hmm. They got beat on a, like a half court pull up buzzer. Yeah, um, nine against Missouri, sixteen against Ole Miss, yeah, got, and then beat Alabama, beat Alabama by eight. I mean, that's a tough stretch. Kentucky tournament team, Florida tournament team. At Tennessee, working their way into the bubble, you lose that one by four. Georgia with Anthony Edwards doing Anthony Edwards things. They're, they're still not a good team. They're ten and twenty. They're two and whatever yeah. 15 yeah. in conference play now but but they have one really really good player in Saban Lee and South Carolina tends to do well when teams only have one guard that can drive you instead of two guards that can drive you yeah so and and Saban Lee was uh worth pointing out Saban Lee was still a good basketball player when Carolina played him the first time and won by whatever it was 24 90 yeah. to he had a really good game or so yeah 90 to I don't remember what the final score was I, I a lot to a little 90. yeah uh, 90 to 64. 90 to 64. Okay, yes, yeah, so 26. A lot to a little. Saban um, Lee had 38 in the Alabama win. I uh, underestimated his stat line in the LSU game. He had uh, 33, 4, and 6 on 13 of 20 shooting. That's good. Yes. So keep him to below 30, and you're probably okay. That would be the ideal goal if you're South Carolina. How many times has Saban Lee scored at least 30 points this year? Trivia. Six. Three, uh, uh, just three, huh. just three, and Vanderbilt was two and one. The one game that they lost, was Zayvon Lee scored thirty points. He scored. He had a thirty-four pointer. Uh, thirty-four two and four against Georgia when they lost. Where by he two. shot thirteen to seventeen from the field. Yeah, That's or twelve to seventeen. Yeah, not bad. So good yeah, Lord, hold him to uh, hold him to, to fewer than thirty points, and South Carolina should win that one and finish the season nineteen and twelve, eleven, 11 and seven, seven in conference. And will probably end up with the five seed in the SEC tournament. Is that right? Depends on what other teams do. So, if it's just head to head against Mississippi State, they get the tiebreaker. It would be the five. But there is a scenario in round robin because these tiebreakers are all weird. That where South Carolina could end up with the six seed and win and still end up with the six seed. Okay. Just to set the table real quick, we're recording this Thursday morning, so nothing else will happen in conference play in terms of the standings until Saturday, so this will stay fresh for a couple of days, so I don't yeah. feel bad. Like, if we were doing this, like, yesterday and there were still Ooh, conference yeah. games to be played, it wouldn't be worth it, but we have a couple of days now to to let this marinate. Yes. Number one, Kentucky. Number two, Auburn. Number three, LSU. Number four, Florida. All three of those teams are 11-6, and six. And that's the tiebreakers in order. Auburn with the tiebreaker over LSU, LSU with the tiebreaker over Florida. Mississippi State and South Carolina soon after that. Both Miss- at 10 and 7, South Carolina with the tiebreaker over uh, Mississippi State. There is a chance Mississippi State could get the double bye. Mississippi State and Florida are the only 
kind of two teams. South Carolina would have to lose to Vanderbilt. Mississippi State would have to win. Florida would have to lose. And then Mississippi State has the tiebreaker over Florida. Is that scenario? I believe so, yes. After um, South Carolina, you have Tennessee, Texas A&M at 9-8, and eight, Alabama at 8-9. and nine. Yes. And then Arkansas 7 and 10, Ole Miss 6 and 11, Missouri 6 and 11, Georgia 5 and 12, Vanderbilt 2 and 15 with wins over LSU and at Alabama, which is great. Hey, great news for Carolina that they jumped 20 something spots in the net. So makes it a little bit better. That puts them into quad two road win territory, right? At 140? Isn't cut off 150? Maybe I think so. That could be a quad two road win for South Carolina because they're South Carolina. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Um, The scenario that I think is advantageous for South Carolina. Is getting the six seed because then you get the 11 and 14 matchup, which is more than likely Missouri Vanderbilt. So let's throw this scenario out there AM beats Arkansas, Kentucky beats Florida, LSU beats Georgia, Alabama beats Missouri, Mississippi State beats Ole Miss at home, Tennessee beats Auburn, and Vanderbilt loses to South Carolina. So that's all very realistic. The least likely of those is Tennessee, Tennessee beating yeah. Auburn, but other than that, that's that's probably chalk for this weekend. Yeah, the lines. you would think. Yeah. Um, now that would put South Carolina as the sixth seed because they lost to Auburn, Florida, and Mississippi State based on round robin. They were one and three in those games because it would create a one, two, three, four way tie. Oh boy! At eleven and seven, <laughs> but South Carolina would be the sixth seed. They would play the late game mm-hmm. on Thursday. My mask, which you Thursday. hate, but for South Carolina fans, this is very advantageous. You would play either Missouri or Vanderbilt. Then, if you win, you'd play Florida, mm, as opposed to LSU, Auburn, or Kentucky. Mm, that is good. Is that the only scenario where South Carolina could avoid Kentucky, Auburn, and LSU on Friday? Now, let's say if Auburn wins, South Carolina would be the sixth seed playing Missouri or Vanderbilt, and then they had to go play LSU. Okay, all right, so go Tennessee. Can, yeah. Tennessee, who just beat Florida and then just beat Kentucky and are fighting for their lives. Auburn's not... R- they're banged up. Well, and they're not really fighting for anything. Aren't they guaranteed to double by because of the tiebreakers? Probably, yeah. I think yeah. they can't be any worse than the four. Yeah, they're, they're going to have a double by. So they don't have much to play for, I guess, except for like national seeding, kind of. They're I guess, in the tournament. But, yeah. Auburn's in the tournament. So it's just a really- matter of like what national seed they get, and that... Yeah. They have as much to do with their performance in the SEC tournament as anything. So maybe the, the, if you're a Carolina fan, hold on to hope for that third straight Tennessee upset. Yeah, because if you get that, then you're set up decently well. And you would have to play LSU in the semifinals, or depending on how things all work there. But And we can all agree that Carolina getting the double bye would be the worst-case scenario. Yes. The there's absolute worst-case no, scenario. I don't think there's any situation now where South Carolina gets the double bye. Oh, that's right, because Florida won last night. I keep thinking that's on the table because Carolina no, does not have in. the... Yeah, they have the tiebreaker over Mississippi State, but not with Florida. Yeah, that's the you're locked team. in. Yeah. That's good. Okay, that's good. So just five or six. So what happens if Carolina gets the five seed? What, is their, what does their road look like? So let's say South Carolina gets the five. I'll do some math here. Auburn wins. Mississippi State loses. Uh, Florida loses. So South Carolina would get the five seed would play the second game, would play either Missouri or Georgia potentially, and then play Florida. So that's not a bad draw. Mm-hmm. Um, that would require A&M to beat, let's say Arkansas beats A&M. Okay. okay. That's feasible. That's likely. This is a good draw too. Missouri would play Georgia, and that would make South Carolina the five seed. Uh, hold on. Do you have like a like a chart here or something, or are you just doing it's this off the top of your head? Oh, it is? Okay, great, because I'm going to use this later. Yeah, it's fun to play around with. Yeah. Um, So let's say Arkansas wins, Kentucky beats Florida, LSU beats Georgia, Alabama beats Missouri, Ole Miss beats Mississippi State, Auburn beats Tennessee, South Carolina beats Vanderbilt. Mm -hmm. South Carolina would be the five seed based off head-to-head record with Florida, Would would play either Missouri or Georgia, and then play Florida in the second round if they won. So there are... These these scenarios for South Carolina are mostly favorable. The only one that's not favorable is if they get the sixth seed and go play LSU. and Auburn beats Tennessee, in which case they would have to play LSU. Yeah, more than likely. And, I mean, I don't know. You don't want to play LSU because they just smoked you, but LSU is just not playing well. Now, maybe it's just a bad matchup for South Carolina, and so you still want to avoid that, and they're still a talented team, and you have some time to regroup after the season ends and before you start the tournament. But, I mean, 
they were just not playing well. It, it, that South Carolina win looked like it was like, okay, you know, maybe LSU's getting back on track. But since then, they lost at Florida. They beat A&M. Fine game. Not exactly inspiring. They only scored 64 points. And then they lose to Arkansas. They've lost one, two, three, four, five, six of their last nine. Yeah. With the only wins coming against Missouri at home, A&M at home, and South Carolina at home. That might not be the worst thing in the world. No. Because, I mean, Florida did basically the same thing that LSU did to Carolina, except at the Colonial Life Arena earlier in the season. Is Florida really a better draw than LSU? I think so. Okay. I think it's a better matchup for South Carolina. You just have to hope that Andrew Nimhart doesn't have another 21-10. and 10. Yeah. Yeah, maybe not. And I guess Jermaine Kusnar... Didn't wasn't play. the starting point guard didn't in that play, game. And he didn't play. He yeah. Oh, that's right, because he was sick. Yeah, or, a or a back injury? I thought he was sick. Was yeah. somebody sick? Did somebody miss that game with illness? I don't think so. Maybe okay. TJ Moss or something. I don't know. I, I thought somebody was sick. But point is, I guess that could be a difference. So, yeah, you, you do want Florida. But there's only one scenario. Because you just played out four different scenarios. Two were Carolina's a five seed. Two were Carolina's a six seed. Only one of those, South Carolina has to play LSU in the second round. Should they win on Thursday? Which, obviously, they have to. You're rooting for Ole Miss, and you're rooting for Tennessee. And 21-13 and 13 does it. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, as definitely. 21. As, yeah. What did I say? I thought you said 20. No, no, 21 and 13. Yeah. Win Thursday, win Friday, lose Saturday. Yeah. Carolina's not going to win the SEC tournament. Don't count on that. <laughs> yeah, don't bank on that because there are enough teams at the top that are good. They will have to have played less basketball than South Carolina. Yeah. 21 and 13. Feels so, feasible. Yeah. Feels very feasible. The Mississippi State game really changes the complexion of the next week and a half. And I think it gives some optimism to the change. fans. Definitely give some optimism to the fans. How's the crowd? All right. All right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I guess people were a little bit unenthused after losing three or four in the way that they lost. And it's a six thirty tip on a Tuesday. Yeah, I, I like the six thirty tip. I much like better the, than nine I like o'clock it too. tip though. I like six thirty tips. Yeah, I guess it's hard for people to get down there from work and yeah. different places, but yeah. Okay. Well, that's good. That was the the home finale for South Carolina Saturday against Vanderbilt. Twelve thirty tip, which is nice. You just worry about them still being. Sleepy and having tummies full of eggs and yeah. bacon and a little groggy. But they can be groggy and still win that They game. can play their B game, C game, and beat Vanderbilt. And then it's seeding. We'll be back on Tuesday. I guess we could come back on Monday, but we'll come back on Tuesday because that's a normal schedule for us. Yeah. And break down the tournament. Break all down of the seeding, actually knowing it for sure. It's amazing that so much is still up in the air with just one game left to go in conference play. But that's been part of the... Part of the insanity, part of the fun, part of the frustration South of Carolina watching SEC basketball this year. South Carolina is e- either playing the second game on Thursday or the late game Thursday. Hmm. You're pulling for the second game. So the, the the scenario where they get the five seed and still get to play Florida in the second round is the best case scenario because then they would get for to play the second game. For me personally, sure. Yeah. That's what we're pulling for. We want what's well, best for Well, and then I get to go out in Nash- And if they win, I get to go out in Nashville. Yeah. So. That's true. Get some hot chicken. Go to Bolton's. Yeah. I'm going this weekend. I'm taking my roommate with me. And yeah. We're going this weekend. Because you, you're a good good traveler to yes. games. But go to Bolton's. Will you Bolton's. do that? Yeah. Shoot me a text to make sure, but yeah. It's it's a shack. We talked about this, I think. Yeah. Did we talk about it on the podcast? No, we never talked about it on the podcast. Okay. For those of you that have seen House of Cards, it's kind of like Freddy's, the guy that makes Frank Barbecue. It's just one of the, it's it's a shack. And I say that in an endearing way. So if you are someone that loves Bolton's or works at Bolton's and you're listening to this, that is not a slight. That's like the utmost compliment. Yeah. But it's nondescript and you walk in and if you have a high if you have a high heat tolerance get medium if you are a masochist you can get one of the hotter options but it will ruin your day in but the best so possible good. way yeah. it's fantastic so enjoy that i expect a full report on tuesday when we break down the whole tournament schedule for south carolina and i guess the rest of the sec because why not while we're well, at it knows, yeah. and i guess whatever happens in the Vanderbilt game, we got to talk about that yeah, too. Yeah. yeah yeah hopefully not much to talk about there Follow him on Twitter, at Colin Taylor. Read everything he writes on Gamecock Central, from his previews of the opponents to his breakdowns of what happened in the instant analysis and what we learned. And you mentioned that Mike Coatsar piece that is live right now. This is 1036 on Thursday morning. So go read that on GamecockCentral.com. Great website. Lots of spring football coverage. Lots of men's and women's basketball coverage. Lots of baseball coverage. I mean, I don't know what else you need. It's all right there on GamecockCentral.com. Game skipping. At Colin Taylor with a Y, at Pearson Fowler. Thank you all so much for listening. Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe to this podcast. You get this and other Carolina podcasts and everything else fun that we do here on the Gamecock Central Podcast Network. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week.
at Baker's? We work with local farms right in our own backyard to bring you food that's fresher than fresh. From homegrown watermelon that makes your mouth water to crisp corn picked right around the corner. Come pick out some yourself because shopping for local produce should be as easy as shopping at your local Baker's. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Bakers, fresh for everyone. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchases, full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.